0: Fomi was spying on Trump. The reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaign. Oh, wait. Unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us again this week. Uh, The election crisis continues. An important update on that. Supreme Court battle uh, involving Texas. I'll give you the highs and lows and ins and outs of that. Uh, Plus, new information about the Biden corruption scandal uh, specifically the admission by the Biden camp, uh, his son, that the FBI is investigating him. On top of that, Judicial Watch has new documents, because we're really the ones doing the real investigation, in my view, about Burisma and what and who knew what about the Burisma scandal. Plus, there's a China Gate scandal involving a member of Congress I want to tell you about as well. So a lot going on. Uh, first up, I got to be careful what, what I say, because our uh, censorious overlords in, uh, big tech, specifically Google, which runs YouTube has told us that if we say certain things about the presidential election, they'll take our video down. So I'm not quite sure what I can say. I I've been told what I can say, but it makes no sense to me. So, uh, unless, and of course, and I might be able to say certain things if we put what I consider to be false disclaimers up. So if you wanna know the full truth about what I believe, you're gonna have to go somewhere else other than YouTube because I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna put up false information, at least at this point, I don't see any reason to do that, even if it is mandated by Google. I mean, Google is going to, in order for me to say what I wanna say, Google will, the rule from Google and YouTube is is, I must say something that I believe to be factually and legally false. So I I don't think I'm going to do that at least today. Um, But I do want to tell you about the election controversy. Uh, So uh, next week, the electoral college meets and presumably absent um, um, uh, some dramatic intervention, Vice President Biden will be chosen by the Electoral College, and then it will go to Congress who can object or not object and count the votes. Uh, So uh, what's happening to stop that potentiality from happening is, uh, uh, well, first of all, many things are. There have been several lawsuits that are still pending, uh, specifically in Wisconsin and Georgia. Uh, that uh, seem to me to have quite credible claims that uh, the results in favor of Biden uh, are uh, not licit, L-I-C-I-T, yeah, that's the way you spell it, licit, in the sense that you had the superstructure of those states' elections uh, undermined by uh, state officials who, acted outside their authority to change the rules. And and that resulted in votes that should should not have been counted being counted. So those are the allegations in the various lawsuits. Now, beyond that, uh, the state of Texas has filed a lawsuit against, I think Georgia, Nevada, excuse me, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, uh, essentially saying the same thing, that their, their rights, their, the rights of their citizens and um, the Texas's rights under the Constitution have been harmed by the actions of those states in endorsing uh, um, certifying results that are not correct. That's the allegation. They're challenging those results. So, uh, and I encourage you to read the Texas lawsuit because it's a nice summation of what the issues are concerning what happened in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and uh, Michigan. And what's been, uh, so Texas is sued in the Supreme court. Now there's a big fight over whether the Supreme court has a original jurisdiction and therefore will hear this case. And what is original jurisdiction? In the Constitution, uh, the Supreme Court uh, has original jurisdiction on disputes between the states. And that's essentially jurisdiction that can't be limited by Congress. It's, It's in the Constitution. One of the dirty little secrets is that Congress can limit the jurisdiction of the courts, except in matters which involve original jurisdiction between the states, where there's a fight between one state and the other, a legal constitutional fight. Now, um, previously, based on um, expert uh, analysis I've seen on the issue, uh, even though they do have original jurisdiction on some of these claims, they tell those bringing them sometimes, you know what, Let it, litigate it in the lower courts and then we'll take it up. That way we have a record that we can follow up on because they don't like, as for obvious reasons, um, having to try cases essentially in the Supreme Court and conduct the sort of fact finding that lower courts typically do. Uh, I don't think they can do that in this case specifically. I, I just don't see how, given the gravamen of this case, the gravity of this case, that they can say to a district court judge in, I don't know where, where would the, the district court judge be? I mean, that that's one of the issues, isn't it? In Texas, would it be in, in, in Pennsylvania, Georgia, where? Uh, that they can tell a district court judge to figure out if uh, uh, Texas is right versus these four other states. Now, since the claim has been filed, uh, I think 17 other states, maybe it's increased since then, has uh, have filed a uh, amicus support for the Texas claim. The president himself has intervened uh, through John Eastman, the professor I told you about last time, who... Uh, whose analysis on these issues, I think, uh, deserves uh, serious uh, consideration. I encourage you to look him up. Uh, So I don't know what the Supreme Court's going to do. I think most of the briefing's been done. Uh, In my view, and one of the problems I've had with the courts today, is that because of either politics, meaning you just had political judges who were never going to give Trump the time of day that he was otherwise due on a law, or fear where you had other judges who frankly should know better, being afraid of the consequences c- confronting the, I think the serious claims of, mis- uh, of uh, illegal election activity. That's what I think you would call it by uh, state officials. And by what that I mean is that they didn't want to tell, uh, they didn't want to be placed in a position of saying Trump won. They didn't want to be in the position of saying those votes shouldn't count for Biden. They were, they refused to be put in that position even though that's what we're paying them to do. So in my view, the the judges have failed to address this issue for, for largely for two reasons, fear and politics. Or I should say fear and or politics because sometimes there's a mix as you know. So the question is, is the Supreme Court going to handle this? And if the Supreme Court takes up the case immediately, uh, is there going to be a firestorm? It's going to be a firestorm. Because these are serious claims, in my view. You just cannot look at the Georgia lawsuit, which I encourage you to look at. You cannot look at the Wisconsin lawsuit. You can't look at the allegations in Pennsylvania and think those elections were conducted on the up and up. And I think the courts have to grapple with that and they can't say they don't like the consequences. What they try to say is the relief is out of proportion to what is being alleged. Oh, they may have broke the rules, but we can't do anything about it. Well, that's, that's a, not true. Or they misconstrue the relief as being gargantuan when it's frankly more limited, although politically, much more explosive than they would like because the allegations by the left is if these challenges succeed you're overturning the will of the American people and the response to that would be if the challenges uh, proceed or succeed you are affirming the lawful will of the American people by keeping ballots out of the system that shouldn't have been counted or by highlighting that the system or the election was conducted in such a way, or at least a part of the election was conducted in such a way that uh, you can't trust the outcome, Uh, that that doesn't mean everyone's votes are thrown out. It just means that certain votes were put in dispute and, and set aside. And that happens all the time in elections. Already votes have been thrown out. Did you know that already votes have been thrown out? It's done in the ordinary course in counting ballots. And so this is a common dispute is how many votes should be thrown out. Now, you know, the left is calling this sedition. To pursue litigation, to vindicate your civil rights is sedition. That's the left's approach. Now, as I've highlighted to you, and Judicial Watch has highlighted in a a special report, which is available on our website, and I think we can link to it below. The left had a transition integrity project. Yeah, transition integrity project. And it was run out of Harvard University. And and it was a war game. So you had um, some anti-Trumper playing Donald Trump, and you had John Podesta, who is you know, uh, uh, in the center of the Democrat establishment playing Joe Biden. And of course they presume uh, President Trump was gonna do all these unlawful acts to, I'm getting something to drink here, excuse me, uh, to do all these unlawful acts to uh, keep himself in power. And in response, they thought this is the, what John Podesta was planning to do or, you know, wargaming in his role as Joe Biden the left had actually war game the scenario of having two slates of electors being appointed in a, or competing slates of electors being appointed in a state, which I guess Republicans aren't allowed to pursue as a constitutional option. But this is what, this is where they went off the rails in terms of the rule of law. The plan was that if the Biden slate wasn't accepted by Congress, Uh Podesta's war game had other Democrat states threaten to secede from the Union in order to get Biden's electors seated or counted. So they were threatening to put the country into a civil war in order to get President Trump removed. And they're calling it sedition for President Trump to exercise his legal options under the law. Of course, that can't be the case. And it's a smear. It's an absolute smear. So I don't know what the Supreme Court's going to do. Uh, and uh, I don't encourage you to call the Supreme Court, but I do encourage you to call your state legislators, especially if you live in Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, or Nevada. Because there are substantial questions about uh, how Biden won those states, and if these claims are accurate, uh, his his victory could be overturned potentially. And uh, as I said, in Georgia, it's a substantial claim. Uh, uh, Wisconsin similarly; they just they changed the rules and counted ballots they weren't allowed to count. It's it's a simple claim. It doesn't rely on believing that Hugo Chavez changed the election or uh, computer systems were manipulated I'm not saying those areas shouldn't be looked at or asked questions about but this is pretty simple stuff which is driving the left crazy just driving the left crazy and which is why uh, YouTube and Google I don't know maybe I said something wrong here that's going to result in this video being taken down from YouTube I don't know But Google and YouTube are now interfering in the election by censoring discussion about the election in a a truthful discussion. Twitter is labeling and censoring and suppressing material, so is Facebook. Big tech has come down on the side of Joe Biden here, and it's not based on anything other than politics. It's arbitrary, capricious. I know there's a target on my back. I know there's a target on Judicial Watch's back. I've already been censored. Judicial Watch has already been censored. I remember I was locked out of Twitter. I don't even remember why. So call your state legislatures. Uh, So getting back to what I was talking about, call your state legislators. Let them know what you think about whether they should endorse and ratify the elections by, uh, by doing nothing. Because by doing nothing, they're doing something, right? To do nothing in the face of this, uh, the certifications that have taken place is to ratify them. And anyone who tells you otherwise is blown smoke in your ear. And no, they don't need governors, in my view, under the constitution to call themselves back into the session to deal with this. Secondly, call your members of Congress because on January 6th, Congress will count the ballots excuse me, count the Electoral College battles. And there are opportunities to challenge uh, uh, or to object to electors from states in which uh, the objectors believe the elections have been compromised. So Mo Brooks, who's a Republican from Alabama, has been the only House member to say he'll object. Uh, There's been no senator. There's been no senator. Now, I've I've pressed... um, Non-publicly, um, folks on the Hill about this, and the feedback I've gotten, I've said, "Why? Why isn't anyone doing anything about this?" Is that they're looking for a, a court case to to uh, hang their hat on, and I don't think that's—I don't think that is politically brave. <laughs> I think it's uh, a weak approach. I mean, in the least, the Senate should be having emergency hearings on the election crisis, don't you think? I want one senator to come forward and say, yes, I believe these elections, electoral college counts uh, should be uh, scrutinized. I mean, you don't even have to, you know, I I understand the politicians. They're not going to do everything you want them to do. You know, we can put out the Guide Star out there so that they, the North Star out there, that they can, uh, what they should do. And there are things short of that they can do that, they, that they still haven't done. So call your senators, call your congressmen, and call your state legislators. Now, a number of states have signed on to this uh, Texas uh, lawsuit. I don't know. you know, Check to see if your state has. See if they've been done what you wanted them to do, too. And even if you live in a state where you think your voice won't be heard, you've got to make your voice heard. As I, I, as I said before, calling is always important, even if you think you're calling to an official who disagrees with you. They do note the, the temperature, I think it's the best way to put it, in the COVID era of, of their voters. And, they note, and then one way of figuring out what the temperature is, is by looking at the calls. So, I mean, you may think you're, uh, someone disagrees with you, but they get a, a billion calls saying, do the other thing. And what it might do is actually temper what they say, what they push for behind the scenes, what they're willing to endorse publicly. You'd be surprised. So don't, just because your senator or representative is not someone who shares your political philosophy, that frankly is as important to let them know what you think as it would be just because you think they share your political philosophy and be more willing to listen to you they were your representative and even if they don't like your politics they still sometimes listen to you so i don't want to overstate it but uh you know don't you you know all you can do is what you can do and i'm telling you what you can do call your representatives they still have a role to play it's not over on january 20th actually when you look at the federal law the federal law envisions disputes in congress actually going past inauguration day and what happens if that happens the Speaker of the House is supposed to step down if she wants, in this case, and become acting president until the dispute is resolved. So, I, you know, my view is that um, uh, the, the sub, there is a substantial case to be made uh, that the president won the election. There's a substantial case to be made that the president won the election, and. Um, with that being said, you should, if you agree with me, or maybe if you don't, you call too. I'm not telling you to what to say. You don't have to necessarily agree with me, but you, gotta, you should participate. You should participate beyond voting because clearly voting on election day isn't enough to resolve election disputes because public officials have roles to play in resolving those disputes afterwards. So um, and in the meantime, of course, Judicial Watch is doing what we do, which is we doing our FOIA work to figure out what went on. Hopefully we get some documents uh, not too uh, far, you know, uh, in a way that we're able to contribute to the current debate. And of course, we've got the litigation and the evidence that the dirty, the voting rolls were ill kept, were dirty. Our lawsuit against Pennsylvania alleges 800,000 extra names on the voter rolls that shouldn't be there. In Michigan, I think it's um, 600 plus thousand. I'm going on memory, but it's way up there. Georgia, Fulton County, you've heard of Fulton County, Georgia, the big county down there. Uh, Their election rolls are dirty. Same in Nevada, Clark County, the big state, the big county in Nevada. It's where most people, most people in Nevada live. It's uh, Las Vegas. They've got an extra 154,000 names on the election rolls, according to the data we analyzed. And uh, so when you got dirty election rolls, it can mean dirty elections. And so uh, Judicial Watch has highlighted that fact. And does it mean everyone on those rolls are voting illegally? No, it does not. It does not but it does mean there are more opportunities for fraud. That's what it means. So we'll see how the fight continues. Um, you know, we're doing what we can behind the scenes as the law allows and good sense allows. But, uh, and we're educate- but, but most importantly, we're educating Americans about what the law is, about the constitution, about the rights of the president, Because big media is lying to you, big tech is lying to you, Uh, and we're not going to lie to you. So speaking of big tech lies and big media lies, uh, the big news this week uh, is uh, really is old news, but it's big news because it's been confirmed by the target of the investigation, is that Hunter Biden announced that he's being uh, investigated by the FBI over, quote, tax matters. Now, I don't know why we should believe anything Hunter Biden says, but it's confirmation we were right. Judy Giuliani was right. Donald Trump was right. The New York Post was right. And big tech was lying to you and involving themselves improperly in the election by suppressing information about the Hunter Biden scandals. Now, I don't know what the scope of the investigation is. You can't rely on Hunter Biden, obviously, to tell us what it is. Other reports suggest it's broader. Other reports suggest it goes back to 2018, which I don't buy at all. I do buy they should have been investigating him back in 2018 and probably knew they should have been investigating him. But I have little doubt they were doing zero in the way of an investigation since then. And of course, the media was active in suppressing this information. And it wasn't because they didn't believe it. It's because they're liars. They were partisans acting on behalf of Joe Biden. Same thing with Twitter when they were preventing the release of um, or, or uh, the, the sharing of uh, that New York Post story that broke open the laptop scandal. Now, you may recall, um, and there's a video we had with uh, Rudy Giuliani back before he uh, started getting involved in this election battle stuff because he, he had gotten the Hunter Biden laptop material out. So you may recall that I talked to Rudy Giuliani on a special Special Judicial Watch uh, report about this issue. And he highlighted there was more than enough evidence to indict Joe Biden months ago. And the media has poo-pooed this and downplayed this uh, purposefully and dishonestly. And now it comes out that the DOJ was purposely restricting the investigation so as not to interfere with the election which is obviously interference with the election because the rules that the DOJ say they're not supposed to take over acts that could affect an election. Well, first of all, there are no such rules. And if there's even an informal rule, it's only enforced to help leftists. Well, how do they explain suppressing the investigation in 2018? How did they explain suppressing the investigation in 2019? How did they explain suppressing the investigation while the president of the United States was being impeached for asking questions and alleging there was corruption involving Burisma? And they knew. They knew at the time that there was something there. They were investigating it. Investigating it. So what has Judicial Watch been doing? Well, we've had lawsuits, because I don't believe the Justice Department and the FBI, uh, let's be clear, they're not going to do anything. They're not. Joe Biden's brother is supposedly under investigation. But the fact that, A, he is the uh, presumptive president of the United States at this point, uh, that he uh, is and could be, and and obviously if he's president, they're not going to target him. They're simply not going to target him. And they're going to walk around in eggshells, really, uh, anything about his family. So if I were the president, I would appoint a special counsel to investigate, special prosecutor, I call it, to investigate Joe Biden. The fact that he hasn't been indicted already, to me, is a sign of corruption by the Justice Department and FBI. These cases don't take forever and a day to investigate. This is basic money laundering. They're... The FBI can get this material in a in a half sack if they wanted to. To figure out where the money went, who did what and where. I mean, this is not rocket science if if you're the FBI and the Justice Department and the resources they can bring to bear. The fact that nothing's been done to date is a signal that the investigation's been handled corruptly and politically. So what will Judicial Watch do in the meantime? Well, we have our litigation already set up that's investigating virtually all of these issues. Uh, we have just come up with new documents. Uh, remember Ambassador Yovanovitch, the Obama ambassador that was kept on by uh, or reappointed by President Trump, who uh, obviously was an anti-Trumper. Remember she was uh, testified at the hearing and she said, oh, she didn't know much about Burisma. Well, look at this email we just found. Thanks to a Judicial Watch lawsuit, again, not voluntarily turned over to us. We forced the State Department to turn this over to us. So, there, so essentially, uh, someone was trying. I'm not going to bore you with the detail behind it, but someone was trying to set up an event involving Barisma, uh, their lobbyists, and other uh, entities, and. Um, This is what the event was. It's an email from, maybe I should just give you the background. It's the former assistant to, assistant to, uh, excuse me. It's a former ambassador to Estonia and Serbia. And he worked at the McCain Institute. I knew there's something I wanted to tell you about the background. So it's just perfect in that regard, right? This is back in 2017. And they wanted to do a leadership development training in Ukraine uh, that for their prosecutors that would be funded by Berisma, <laughs> And the idea was suggested by none other than Sally Painter, the former Clinton commerce official who was Berisma's lobbyist at the Blue Store Strategies. So Pult emails Yovanovitch about this idea. So I won't read you that email, but I'm going to read you Yovanovitch's response. Sorry not to have responded more quickly. I will get back to you with a fuller response, but I would urge caution in dealing with the Burisma group. It is widely believed that the owner was the beneficiary of the corrupt justice system here. And I think to the extent that anyone is aware that Burisma is funding the training, there would be raised eyebrows in Kiev over the irony of Burisma training prosecutors and to what end? I, there's more, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to tell you anymore, do I? And Ivanovich had said, let me see if I have the quote here, during her testimony, before the House Intelligence Committee in the impeachment proceedings, Ivanovich said said she didn't have much knowledge about Burisma and noted that she only learned of its connection to the Biden family through press reports she read while preparing for her Senate confirmation hearing. So does that comport with her testimony? I don't think so. I mean, it suggests that she knew Burisma was corrupt. Uh, and so she did know uh, something about Burisma. And she did know something about Burisma. So much so that she warned someone off about having them be involved in funding a uh, training for prosecutors. So what does this document show? That uh, Ivanovich, in my view, wasn't being forthright with the committees trying to throw out Trump. Secondly, the Obama State Department knew and this is more evidence that they knew because there's other other evidence out there that Burisma was an issue and was corrupt and yet nothing was done when Biden's son went on to the board and Biden's business partner went on went on to the board and now he evidently is being criminally investigated because of these relationships and based on the information from the hunter laptop and other testimony and information given through public uh you know mr Bobolinsky, for instance who talked to joe biden directly they were using this money to help joe biden so biden's in it folks biden's in it so don't believe the media who've been lying to you about hunter biden for years most recently to help joe biden win the presidency So th- this, is, um, this is why you support Judicial Watch, I presume, because you don't trust the Justice Department and the FBI and the media to do the right thing. This is what we do. We get this information out there. And more is coming because as you know, they just dole out this material as, in as, um, as slowly as possible and, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, in minimal amounts, but more is coming. So we just keep, we're like the Energizer bunny. We just keep going and going and going as Justice Department gives up, as the FBI gives up, as Congress gives up, and the media never was interested. So they're never really in the race anyway. So uh, as we get more documents, I'll obviously keep you updated. Uh, Before I go, I do wanna talk about Representative Eric Swalwell, who has been implicated in a Chinese spy scandal there was a woman named, um, I don't know how the name is pronounced, Fang Fang, who was, uh, according to the FBI, a, a believed to be a Chinese intelligence asset. And she was operating in the San Francisco Bay Area and got her tender hooks into, uh, among other politicians, a young Eric Swalwell, even before he became a congressman. And the allegations are that, uh, you know, she was doing this on behalf of the Chinese communists. Now, Swalwell, as you know, was a vicious anti-Trump liar, liar. I, I don't use that word lightly, but he lied about Russia collusion, about Russia collusion in a knowing way. He knowingly lied about Russia and Trump. And just a year before he began pushing that, he had been warned by the FBI that he was targeted by this intelligence asset. Now, some have alleged that the relationship was more than he, she was bundling money for him. And uh, the stories are that there was something more substantial there as a relationship. I don't know whether that's true or not. So, I, you know, I'm not going to get into that. But of course, he's refused to disclose the nature of the relationship. What were they doing to, together? What what were his communications like? He's on the intelligence committee still. How was that possible? And I know many people, having great fun with Swalwell. This is pretty serious stuff. And, you know, is it, was it, how broad was it? There were other members of Congress who were targeted by Fang Fang, who by the way is now in China. And, um, you know, Diane Feinstein had a spy there. It looks like there was an event involving, uh, Feinstein had a spy placed in her office by the Chinese. And it looks like there had been, been a, uh, there was a, an event that featured both alleged spies. And Swalwell. So, I mean, what's going on there? How big is this issue? And isn't it interesting that the FBI gets wind of a foreign intelligence operation targeting members of Congress or public officials? And of course, they give them a defensive briefing. But they never gave a defensive briefing to President Trump. In fact, any defensive briefings they were giving were actually opportunities, they they admitted were opportunities to spy on. That shows you how corrupt this FBI is and the Justice Department. So, obviously, we'll be investigating that. And and I would just call your attention to the fact that the Chinese, and I've always been, and I may have talked about this before, China money in American politics goes back a long way. The Chinese bought and paid for Bill and Hillary Clinton's presidency. There's no doubt about that. They funded his run for governor. They funded his presidency. They funded his reelection campaign. I mean, his initial run for president and then his re-election campaign—he had Chinese generals literally in the White House at fundraisers. We represented one of the folks, Johnny Chung, who said the White House was like a subway—you put a token for the gate to open up. And he had talked with a, a Intel official of China about them liking tr- uh, Clinton and wanting to see, wanting him to see, uh, wanting to see him re-elected. So it's no surprise that. They would target Joe Biden's son, set him up, give a bribe to Joe Biden through his son. And obviously they've got this active measures campaign here in the United States uh, to influence uh, officials here, namely Eric Salwa. And you know, this person's probably getting a medal back and back home in China because she not only had access to someone who was on the intelligence committee, but has compromised someone on the Intelligence Committee. So it's urgent he be kept off, at least until we figure out what went on until he's more forthcoming. Frankly, I don't believe anything he said given the way he's been behaving. He's not trustworthy. He's not trustworthy, Eric Falwell. And this isn't a question of not liking his politics. This is a man who has access to our nation's top secrets because of his role in the Intelligence Committee. And it's urgent for our national security uh, that be stopped. So uh, we'll follow up, as we always do, on these issues. And I'll see you here next week on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. Hopefully, we'll have some news from the Supreme Court and the other court issues. Uh, But by then, the Electoral College will admit, and um, we'll know, have some more certainty about what's going to happen in January. So I'll see you next time here again on the Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's Weekly Update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.